Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome in to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I am Billy Embody. Thanks for joining us. We are going to jump right in because we have a special guest with us for today's edition of the podcast, Action Network's Brett McMurphy, who's been all over a lot of the reporting involving realignment, expansion, SMU, Pac-12, all of those things. And Brett, thanks for the time. I want to jump right in. You were first to report that George Klyovkov was going to be on SMU's campus last week. Uh, ended up being a very public visit for the Pac-12 commissioner. Take us through that that kind of uh, breaking of the news and, and not necessarily how you heard about it, but how that visit kind of transpired and, and maybe what you've heard about it that you can share uh, since that moment. Yeah, well, I was I was actually when I heard about it and, you know, I was try, trying to track it down initially, I was very surprised by it because I don't I was trying to think back of all the, you know, we've had so much realignment um, going all the way back to Pitt, Syracuse to the ACC, um, you know, Nebraska leaving the big. I mean, it, the show would be over if I tried to list a, list them all. We'd be run out of time. But in all those instances, I don't ever remember a commissioner visiting a potential new member before they accepted an invitation. And so that kind of blew me away when I heard that. And I was skeptical at first. And so I, you know, tracked it down. Obviously, it was accurate um, because I've never I've never heard of that happening. And then um you know, I believe you reported, or, or if it wasn't you, I apologize, but that 
that he was potentially going to be at the basketball game. And that was really weird to me that a a commissioner would be seen in public trying to court another school to join their conference. I mean, I guess it's, you know, it's weird times, but, you know, uh, I know Mike Slide never went to to Missouri or, or to Texas A&M before they joined. And I remember, you know, when TCU joined the Big East for, you know, five minutes or whatever it was, uh, between their time in the Mountain West and the, and the Big 12, the Big East commissioner had never stepped foot on TCU's campus, uh, except when they had the press conference to announce him as a new member. So, it just it just surprised me. It was unprecedented. And then the more I looked into it, it just shows that the Pac-12, the new media rights deal is going to be, you know, have a significant presence streaming wise. What does that mean exactly? I don't know. Um, but certainly I've been told that the streaming services want to know exactly what their future membership is going to look like before they commit, you know, to to whatever deal they may be doing. And then the Pac-12 put out that statement on Monday, which again was kind of weird. <laughs> you know, hey, despite everything you've, you've read and heard and seen, uh, everything's fine here. We're, we're working with multiple partners, yada, yada, yada. Why even put that out then? You know, announce a deal and move on. Don't put out a everything's fine because then everyone automatically says, okay, there's some weird stuff going on here. Why are they doing this? Yeah. And looking at that statement from yesterday uh, on Monday, that was one of those things where, look, the Pac-12 has been working on this media rights deal for quite some time and and in relative silence. And people are still wondering, OK, are they going to get what they want? They doesn't seem like they are, but they are getting uh, maybe a, a very different media rights deal than than really we've seen, you know, involving that media, uh, that streaming side of things. When it comes to that, did you feel like uh, when it came to the instability that people have kind of talked about and the potential of an Oregon-Washington leaving or a four-corners school, do you feel like they finally said, you know, enough is enough. We need to put something out there. We've done, you know, some public visits with SDSU and SMU now. Things are kind of starting to trend towards that next step of realignment. We have to show we are a united party. yeah, I can speculate on why I think they did it. I think they want to show that there's unity within the conference, that the conference is fine. They're not going anywhere. But I just, you know, I've been doing this for a while. What it does to me is it shows it shows the opposite. You know, don't tell me how united you are. Don't tell me how, how together you are. Just announce your media rights deal, and that's all you need to do. So it's kind of like calling your shot, you know, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to hit a home run on the next pitch. And then you strike out, you know, and then everybody's like, why don't you shut up and, and take your at bat. So I, you know, I don't know. I don't know who they're listening to. I don't know what the reasoning of that is. It doesn't do any good to the conference. It doesn't, on the flip side, it doesn't harm the conference. It just raises more questions. The athletic obviously had a huge piece about, you know, the struggles of getting the new meteorites deal. The thing that really surprised me about that is I, I've talked to a lot of people who have told me that privately. They, they, but you know, they told me that on the condition I wouldn't report any of that, and I kept my word. So the fact that that these individuals were willing to be quoted anonymously, knowing the impact it would have on their own conference, kind of surprised me. 
and showed um, kind of the situation that Pac-12 is in right now. And I deal with the streaming services. I mean, look, if you're a Pac-12 fan, you're going to say, hey, this is great. And if you're not, you're going you're gonna, to you know, say, oh, this isn't great. Bottom line is you may get more money for that, which is great. There's not a right or wrong way to do a media rights deal. But the challenge is on those, on those Fridays and Saturdays, on those weekends, when you've got the Big Ten, the Big 12, the SEC, on all these different networks, and the networks and the network shows are promoting these games coming up later tonight, coming up tomorrow, et cetera. You're not going to get that with the Pac-12 if they're in a streaming service because Amazon is, you know, you turn on Amazon and the game's on. So you're not going to get that constant drumbeat of promotion for those games. Is that a detriment to a media rights deal? I, I don't know. It's a preference. Um, how much is that worth? Uh, not to have that constant promotion. How much is that promotion worth? I mean, those are, you know, the, the beauties in the eye of the beholder. So we'll just have to see how this plays out. I do know this. Fox is not going to be part of the Pac-12 deal. There's no way. They, have, they already have enough inventory with the Big Ten, re-upping with the Big 12. They also have some, some Mountain West stuff. So basically, the Pac-12 deal is going to be Part of it's going to be ESPN, but they also don't have a great need for a large inventory because they're all in with the SEC and the ACC. And then they have a part of the package with the Big 12. Um, and so it's going to be ESPN plus these streaming services, unless you get some kind of, you know, off-brand, um, you know, CW or, or TNT or, U, you know, USA or something like that comes out of nowhere that gets you on linear television. So I just, the money's not going to be more than the ACC, the big 12 or yeah, the, the ACC or the big 12. I think it'll be comparable. It may be a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, but you know, everything that everyone will focus in on is, you know, is it linear television? Is it streaming? And you know, the, the good news is if they get this done, then these schools are locked in for X number of years where they got to pay a hefty buyout to move on. And with ESPN, that still seems like their position would be Pac-12 after dark, that 1030 uh, p.m. Eastern time matchup. Is that kind of what you're hearing on ESPN's end? Yeah, they don't they don't really have a large need for anything else. I mean, they're going to they're going to show the SEC from sun up to sundown. You know, they've got the ACC deal exclusively. Um, you know, they've got the, the Big 12, which is the, most of the central time zone. BYU's in the mountain. So, yeah, they're looking for that last window. And again, keep in mind, the ESPN has no has no reason to pay the Pac-12 more than they paid the ACC or more than, than they paid the Big 12. And I don't think they will. And the reason isn't necessarily that they don't think as highly of the Pac-12 as they do these other leagues. The main reason is, is there's, they're competing with nobody. You know, there's, Fox isn't, isn't going to do it. Um, you know, it looks like CBS wouldn't be involved. NBC's not going to do it. So you, there's no reason for, the, for ESPN to overpay. And the same kind of with um, the streaming services. Everybody thought the streaming services would be this pot of gold. Well, you know, why would the streaming service feel the need to overpay for something if they're really not competing with anyone else? 
I mean, I guess if you get down to, well, the streaming services wants the top three picks from the Pac-12, then they're going to have to pay more. Well, if you do that, then if ESPN's not getting the top pick or they're getting the third pick or however it's broken down, then that obviously um, impacts the value of their deal too. So, I mean, we'll find out soon enough what's going to happen. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the thing is with the Pac-12, and, I, you know, I'll be up front. I've said this before on other interviews I'm, I'm an oklahoma state grad so i'm obviously have ties you know i'm an alum of a big 12 school i just think the big 12 is in a better position not because they're they're better but actually because nobody wants any of the big 12 schools you know OU and texas are gone so the big 10 doesn't have any desire to take any big 12 schools the sec got who they wanted the acc doesn't want any so because of that in a weird way the Big 12, I think, has more security because the pack, the future of the Pac-12 is not dependent on the Big 12 meteorites deals. It's dependent on, does the Big 10 add any more schools? Because if they do, they're going to come from the Pac-12. And then if they grab more schools from the Pac-12, how does that impact the remaining Pac-12 schools? Do some of those try to go to the Big 12? Do they stay where they're at? Uh, does, does the Pac-12 feel like they're secure enough by simply adding San Diego State and SMU, or do they try to go after UNLV and Fresno State? That's kind of the uncertainty with the Pac-12 is their future is dependent on what the Big Ten does. And because the Big 12, you know, again, does not have any schools that any other leagues want, they are kind of have more security in a weird way. You mentioned we'll we'll find out soon enough, and I feel like everybody's been waiting for a long time on the Pac-12. Do you see things moving quickly, and what kind of does quickly look like on the media rights front with with that group, and how does it tie into expansion for the Pac-12? Well, I would guess it would – I would think if you're going to put out that statement that you would be announcing something in the next week or two, but from – what I've heard, what the athletic reported, it seems like it could be, uh, you know, we could get into late March, maybe, maybe April. So is that quickly? I'm not sure if it is or not. Um, I just think the the longer it goes on, the more uncertainty there is. But if you're the Pac-12, there's no reason to sign something tomorrow if you feel like by waiting a week or two months or three months, you can get a better deal some way. So that's kind of the predicament they're in. Do they take what they have now or do they try to, you know, squeeze some more uh, blood out of a turnip and try to get more money and then do a deal in in two or three weeks or two or three months? I mean, ultimately, no one's going to care, you know, two or three years from now, whether they got the deal done on February 14th or April 14th. It's kind of like hiring a football coach. Do you really care if you hired your coach at the end of this, your new coach at the end of the season, or you hired him a week before the season started? All you care about is the results on the field. And so I think that's kind of similar to what the Pac-12 is doing. They just want to get the best deal they can. Obviously, the sooner the better, but I think they'll, they'll wait as long as they need to to get as much as they can. Uh, probably about – uh, solid seven years ago, I think now the Big 12 went through their exercise of doing pretty public interviews around expansion and they ended up standing pat and not doing anything then. Uh, now they added, of course, BYU, BYU Cincinnati, 
uh, Houston and, and um, uh, oh gosh, um, uh, Houston, I think I said that. Um, UCF. UCF, thank you. Do you, SMU was in on those interviews at that time. Since then, what have you seen from SMU as far as realignment and their efforts to get in on the Power Five level? What do you see from a national side as far as what SMU would now bring? Well, real quickly, revisiting that history of the Big 12, I don't know why the Big 12 lost you there. Did all the that would add any value schools that they were looking at, it would make the value of their media rights deal worth less per school. So I still don't understand why they went through that whole thing. That was something, you know, the presidents and Bob Bowles we wanted to do. So if you're SMU, I wouldn't feel slighted. I, I didn't understand why they did that anyway. Um, currently now, I think why SMU has become attractive, specifically the Pac-12, is obviously, you know, the success you guys have had the past three or four years in football. I mean, that's the big thing. People can talk about basketball, but football is what means the most. So the fact that, that SMU has, has had some solid seasons in the last three or four years certainly helps. If SMU has had, was coming off, uh, you know, three consecutive three-win seasons, I don't believe you guys are in this conversation. That's 1A. 1B is you're in the state of Texas. And I think that's huge for the Pac-12 going forward. And because I know that I've talked to, you know, Bo Pelini, the former coach of Nebraska about this, and he thought one of the biggest detriments to Nebraska was when they joined the Big Ten and got out of the Big 12, specifically because they weren't playing in the state of Texas anymore. They were recruiting in the state. They could go to, you know, go into households and tell their parents hey we're going to come down here and we're going to play two or three times a year so you can come see your son play and then suddenly they can't come down to texas anymore because they're not playing games in the state you can't recruit the state of texas i don't have to tell you what the state of texas is like recruiting wise and so i think that's huge for for the pac-12 and for the california schools to be able to come into texas so i think that's the biggest reasons smu has been a been attractive for the Pac-12 is to get into the Texas market. And I think because of that, I think that's why the Big 12 didn't look at SMU as strongly because th they felt the need to get in Houston and, you know, with Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, et cetera, you, they've already got a lot of Texas schools. So it really wouldn't help them to add any more Texas schools. I don't really think it was a slide on SMU. It was more like, you know, we've got we've got enough in Texas, um, so we need to look to some of these other markets like BYU, Cincinnati, UCF. And the SEC kind of for a while had a similar deal where if they had a school in a state and they were looking to add a, a new member, they would not they would not consider a school in a state that already had an existing member. Like Florida, they would look at Florida State because they had Florida, same with South Carolina. You know, they've got a school there. So, um, you know, obviously that has changed now with adding Texas with where Texas A&M already is. But I think that's kind of why the Big 12 um, didn't look as hard as SMU. But it's certainly why SMU is a very, very attractive um, potential. And I, I don't think it's a matter of, of 
if, I just think it's a matter of when the Pac-12 extends the official invite to SMU and San Diego State at this point. What does the long-term outlook for SMU look like once they do get to a Power 5 level? Do you see what a lot of people around the program at least see, which is, okay, they finally have that patch on their chest. They can go into some of these recruits' homes and sell a Power 5 conference. They can sell whatever that media rights deal looks like. They can sell some of the advantages finally and, and you know, kind of continue to, to grow and, and progress. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, no matter what the media rights deal is going to be, it's still going to be better than what they're getting in the American. Um, the same with Cincinnati and Houston. You know, they're getting better in the Big 12, what they got in the American. You know, BYU is getting better. What they got as, as an independent is part of the Big 12. And now that you're in the Power Five, your resources, you're going to have more resources. You're going to play, you know, more games and, and better, you know, we, we, we would think in better uh, television windows. You're going to get noticed more. Um, you know, I, I hate to bring up this three-letter word again, but, you know, you look at TCU and the difference it's made for them being the fact from them being in the Mountain West to being in the Big 12 and just the difference that it's made. You know, that's that's huge. It can transform your program almost overnight. There's no reason that can't can't happen to SMU. And it's unfair that, you know, there's this, you know, this the difference between the power five and the group five. But it's very real. And if you're not in a power five league going forward in the next couple of years, um, and I've told this to, to friends of mine that are at group of five schools, you know, you're obsolete. You really are. And that sucks, but that's the reality because the way that the college athletics is, is going and has been going, you know, the, the difference in the revenue between the power five and the group of five, the access for the college football playoff is different. Everything is, is so much different and it literally is the have and the have not. So for SMU to get in that club, if you will, <laughs> before they close the doors forever, uh, that's great. And then once you're in there and, and SMU can win and take advantage of that, then who knows what's going to happen five years down the road. Then maybe at that point, the Big 12 goes to 16 or they lose school somewhere. And then, you know, then you can, you know, you can move to another power five league. But um, certainly it's it's a it's better than not being in a power five league. I can tell you that. And um, and then from that point, it's can you take advantage? Can you can you have the success that? At TCU has had, can you look at Utah going from the Mountain West to the Pac-12? They played in a couple of Rose Bowls. You know, imagine thinking that, you know, 10 years or so ago. Um, and so, yeah, once you're in the club, I guess, now, uh, you know, the sky's the limit and you, you're you on equal footing with some of these other guys that you really weren't on equal footing with uh, in a group of five conference. And we'll, we'll get you out of here on this one, a quick one. And I guess this wouldn't be a surprise if it happened, but – do you see any surprise major moves being done behind the scenes is, or is everyone else just kind of standing pat and kind of watching that big 10 potential with Oregon and Washington or, or is there, is there a blockbuster deal behind the scenes? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think the biggest thing is, you know, is the, some people think the big 10 is done expanding because Kevin Warren's moving on to the NFL in April. I, I still think the big 10 wants to do something. I don't think they brought on USC and UCLA to have them stranded out there. Uh, I think they want to give them a couple of travel partners. 
you know, I think in the best scenario for the Big Ten, they would want to have that happen for the 2024 season. That would mean something would have to move quickly if that would happen. But if you see the 10 uh, remaining Pac-12 schools sign a grant of rights deal, then that would probably, you know, for all intents and purposes, shut down the Oregon-Washington of the Big Ten uh, movement, at least in the next couple of years. So I think that's that's really the only the big moves we could see. The only other thing we could see, and I think this is probably several years down the road, is you know the ACC has ten or twelve years left on their media rights deal. Um, there are a lot of schools within that conference that would love to get out. If any of them can figure out a way to climb over the wall and get out and get out of that media rights deal, then I think you're going to see chaos because because then you're going to see those. Elite teams in the ACC, the Florida States, Miami, Clemson's, uh, North Carolina, Virginia, those schools, they will be sought after by the Big Ten and the SEC. And I think those two leagues jump up to 20. And so then when that happens, who knows what everything will look like. But I think that's a, I think that's uh, several years down the road. But I think that that will happen. Again, I don't think it's an, an if, I think it's a win. But because of the length of the ACC deal, I think that's several years away. But again, for SMU, if that happens or not, as long as you're as long as you're in a Power Five league, you're in a good position um, because then you can, you know, shuffle the deck and, and and end up in another different league, or maybe your league grows or merges with another power league. But again, it's it's better to be in that group than not being in it because I'm afraid that that we'll see a split between the between the Power Five and the non-Power Fives um, in the somewhat near future. And if you're not in the non-Power Fives, I don't see how you can compete 365 days a year because of the difference in the revenue and resources and all those things. Great insight. Brett McMurphy, thanks so much. Conference realignment never ends. <laughs> you gave a hint to that one uh, down the line. We appreciate all the time you gave, and thanks so much for stopping by. You got it. Thanks, Billy. I appreciate it. Have a good one, Brett McMurphy. There he is. Appreciate Brett for stopping in on the On the Pony Express podcast. Uh, we've got more to cover and just a little bit of reaction to what Brett said and kind of the latest. Uh, we talked about during that segment with Brett, the Pac-12 League um, announcing their statement of unity and that we are in this together to get a media rights deal done. Uh, and they look forward to announcing that in the near future. And if you followed a lot of what was reported on Monday, it circled around, okay, the Pac-12 announces this statement. Interesting timing, and Brett alluded to that as well. Um, what does that mean? What does that look like? Are we looking at a situation where the media rights deal is on the table, ready for everyone to approve, along with the expansion of the conference? Or is there still time to go on this? Is there still negotiating to be done? But it's now reached a point where they feel good enough about it to release that statement and to address, just call it how it is, the rumors around the league's future. Uh, instead, they wanted to go ahead and release that statement. Now, uh, the Big 12 released a similar statement last year uh, before an announcing their additions to the conference. Uh, that is going to be kind of where we wait and see what does the end result of the Pac-12's media rights negotiations and expansion look like. You, you heard Brett 
allude to it. It's what we've reported behind the scenes. San Diego State, SMU look like shoe-ins to join the Pac-12. A matter of when, not if at this point, which is what we believe and what our sources are telling us. Um, George Klyovkov's public visit, I think, really cemented that for a lot of people. But this is real realignment. The unexpected can happen. Um, it doesn't seem like there's going to be some massive blockbuster move at this point that wouldn't have already been, uh, let's say, speculated on. And, you know, with how public these, especially between the Big 12 and the Pac-12, how public this reporting has been on their expansion goals and what their futures look like, it doesn't seem like we're in for a big surprise uh, coming from college football realignment, but we'll be, of course, uh, keeping an eye on that to see if that happens. As far as SMU, uh, sources continue to re remain optimistic. I mean, this is a, a situation that SMU has been working towards for quite some time now. They've had uh, closed-door meetings uh, for many, many months now, dating back over a year with the Pac-12, Big 12, ACC. It's now centered around the Pac-12, and a more so a when, not if, SMU does get that invitation. And I think just speculating here, that was why the visit with George Klyovkov ended up just being so public. You know, these are two sides that have been around each other a good bit and had plenty of discussion. So there's a comfort level there. There's a comfort level to go to a campus and be in the public eye like George Klyovkov and other Pac-12 officials were, which stands out to me as far as why they ended up going through with it even after Brett broke it. And then we added the reporting on uh, George Klyovkov going to the SMU Temple game last week. That was something that we kind of sat back and said, all right, if this doesn't happen now, if he's not there, well, where is he? And what impact does that have? But nope, he was on SMU's campus for a full day of meetings, tours. Um, SMU rolled out the red carpet. And that's all I can really say, just, you know, as far as my public reporting on it, if you're an on the PonyExpress.com subscriber, we're dropping a uh, kind of state of the Pac-12 and SMU piece um, on uh, Tuesday as we're recording this. We'll drop that shortly after um, and, and kind of share some more about just kind of how SMU was able to really kind of flex uh, its muscles a little bit and make George Klyovkov really uh, be impressed. Um, because shortly after that visit, you know, you see multiple reports uh, that he does have the approval of the league to expand and all signs point to San Diego State and SMU. That also involves, of course, the pending media rights deal getting done and what that looks like and how the partners, um, you know, factor in their own feedback with the league and kind of where they stand and who they would expand with. So we're in a holding period. We continue to be in that. Um, you know, there's been uh, reporting that, you know, this can move quickly and everybody's, and some people are saying a week. Uh, you met, you heard Brett, you know, it could be April. Um, I'm more in the two to three week um, kind of stance, but that is more speculation based on what I've heard from sources. Um, a lot of people expected it to be kind of a coronation and George Klyovkov visits SMU and by the end of the week, there's an announcement. Not the case. I mean, these things are complicated and, and Brett shed some light on uh, the media rights deal negotiations and picking time slots and how that impacts money overall, how the Pac-12 is going to get the most out of this deal. Um, is really the goal for George Klyovkov. You know, the Pac-12 has been in, in kind of a little bit of a hell with media rights from time to time, um, you know, with the the failure of the Pac-12 network. Uh, obviously, their time slots, 
you know, they've been branded as Pac-12 after dark for a long time. So how can they capitalize on that money-wise and exposure-wise while obviously having to be creative with the streaming services uh, that are in discussions with the Pac-12? It's going to be very interesting to see how all that shakes out. But we'll have you covered on that front at OnThePonyExpress.com. We appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. Please hit the subscribe button to our YouTube channel. Um, player uh, and coach interviews. We've got the podcast up there. Once recruits get going again, we'll have them uh, back up and rolling. We're in a dead period right now, but camps are supposed to start back up. We crossed over that 500 mark. We're well on our way to 600 now. Keep growing the channel for us. We appreciate it. We'll also have you covered Thursday night as SMU welcomes number two Houston uh, to Moody Coliseum, six o'clock central um, matchup for the Mustangs uh, in Moody on ESPN2. Uh, tough overtime loss for SMU basketball at Wichita State. They kind of, you know, whittle, um, just kind of let that one get away from them. You know, they were up with a minute to go and, and just weren't able to close. And that's kind of been the history of this team this season. You know, free throws are a huge, huge part of why this team is record-wise so bad um, currently. Um, SMU is you know, kind of at a rock-bottom position. You know, they, they are not at the 10-win mark yet. Um, they welcome Houston. That walked all over them. Uh, down in Houston earlier this year. Now they've kind of strung together a little bit of better play as of late, and this will be a very interesting matchup. They played on Sunday. They were back early. They have multiple days off until this Thursday game now. We'll see what Rob Lanier and his staff can bring to the table in that matchup. Uh, We'll be there to cover it in Moody Coliseum. Uh, Zurich Phelps was named to the AAC honor roll this week uh, for his performance over the last week or so. Um, so he is trending up. He's played very well. I think when you look at this team and, and what you need to fix, it's hard. You know, I mentioned this in our mailbag for our subscribers on the site, but a lot of what you are looking for in terms of fixes for SMU basketball right now is not during the season. This team plays hard. I, I really don't think many people can argue against that. They are out of sorts at times offensively, but they've also played a little bit better in the last month offensively. Um, defensively, they don't have the guys that can really get you stops when you really, really need it. Um, we've seen that at, at moments, you know, we saw that they were up 19 two, they couldn't close the door against temple, um, and allowed them back into the game by the end of the first half. Uh, and we've seen that throughout, you know, a lot of their games this year is they just can't, couldn't get stops. It just looks out of sorts, but one thing you can get in the off season that would really kind of solidify and calm the waters would be a true point guard. And Rob Lanier mentioned that this summer that they wished they would have gotten a true point guard, somebody that can really go. And he thought that was going to be a little bit of a Achilles heel for this team uh, going into this season. And sure enough, it has been. Zurich Phelps has been pretty good, uh, in my opinion, shouldering a lot of that load. But if you can bring in a true point guard that plays off the ball with him, uh, you're looking at a situation where you're in a much better spot offensively um, and then they're going to have to ad- address a, just this roster overall. It's just not good enough. Um, obviously, this league will change, uh, but we've seen this league be very different this year. You know, Temple was a top three team when SMU beat them uh, earlier this year. Obviously, Houston is the class of the conference, uh, but you've also seen you're also going to see multiple teams leave this league, and it's going to be very different next year. So, how does this team look in the new AAC? That's going to be. Um, a telltale sign. They have the resources. They have got to go out and get some players that can bring them back to the level 
uh, that is expected of SMU basketball. And they got to work on free throws in the offseason. I'll say that. Uh, they've, they've really let some games go that they could have won um, just at the free throw line. So we will be watching Houston SMU Thursday night, 6 p.m. Central on ESPN2. Wednesday, Rhett Lashley and his staff will finally get together. Thank thank. Uh, shout out to the Ice Storm for ruining this on uh, National Sign Day. But we will have our meet and greet with the 2023 class uh, with the coaching staff breaking them down on SMU campus with the media and, and others uh, invited to uh, the Miller Event Center for lunch around noon. So we will have coverage of that. We'll finally get to hear from Rhett Lashley himself about this 2023 signing class and kind of what they bring to the table. It should be a fun event. Hopefully we'll see some of our subscribers there. Please subscribe to OnThePonyExpress.com. $10.00. For a month, um, you know, just a couple cups of coffee a month, really, uh, to get you the latest on SMU realignment, recruiting, team news. Um, if you subscribe today, you'll get the first week of spring ball covered. Uh, so you can kind of get a taste of our coverage on that front. Please go ahead, pick up a subscription to the site, and uh, we will have all that covered for you. A lot of spring football preview content to come over the next couple weeks as well. So, Appreciate you guys listening to this edition. Thanks to Brett McMurphy for stopping by to shed some light on realignment. And we will catch up with you guys later this week for another spring preview uh, position podcast and also to talk more about what Rhett, Rhett Lashley had to say and his staff about the 2023 recruiting class on Thursday. So appreciate all you guys who subscribe to On the Pony Express's YouTube channel. Please hit that subscribe button to our YouTube channel and help it grow even more. Hope you guys have a great week, and we will catch you guys later this week. Thanks for listening. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if you're first bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.